The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. Please do not forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this show on whatever platform it is that you subscribe to Media Noise on, or wherever it is, I guess I should say, that you hear Media Noise. Jesse Karengu is going to talk about the new FS1 lineup with us coming up in just a moment. And I'm going to lean on my buddy Danny O'Neill to sort of give me that feeling of when you are in a press conference with sort of a domineering head coach. I want to get the reporter's feelings, uh, or I guess understand better, the reporter's side of that interaction with Brian Kelly in Baton Rouge earlier this week. That is all coming up, but first, man, I I think it is fair to say that the idea that it is Pat McAfee's world and we are all just living in it may be more true now than ever before. Certainly you know that starting this week, he is a full-time member of the College Game Day cast for the next two years. That is big enough on its own, but I think the extraordinary step that really shows you the value that networks and organizations see in a personality like McAfee's is the way the WWE reacted to this. Right, the WWE said that we want you to stay, but we want you at your best. So let's do what's right for everybody. Take time off of SmackDown during football season and then come back and deliver us your very best effort uh, when football is not being played. I I don't see the WWE doing that for people that do not achieve the level of fame that, you know, John Cena, The Rock, Triple H, Stone Cold Steve Austin, like it takes that level of icon usually for the WWE to treat you that way. Not everybody gets to be Brock Lesnar and defend their title every time there is a uh, presidential election and then not again. So Pat McAfee clearly is a step towards the future with College Game Day, right? Um, Whether or not this means that, you know, they have Pat McAfee, so next week they're going to announce the retirement of Lee Corso, I don't think that's what we're looking at here. I think it is more of a matter of how do you bring that fun energy, that organically fun, not goofy frat boy kind of energy to the show throughout the course, or I guess spread out a little more evenly over the course of three hours so you can pull back Corso, right? Like, it wouldn't be surprising if McAfee is not a part of headgear, of game day picks. Like, that may still very much be Corso's realm, and I think as a fan of the show, particularly if you are somewhat nostalgic about the show, that's kind of what you want. And then McAfee can be the guy that the crowd is hooping and hollering with uh, throughout the entirety of the episode. I mean, if you watch that first week, Uh, when they were live at Ohio State, you saw Corso for, I want to say, one segment an hour, if that. I mean, they've got to figure out how do you, if Corso is sort of the clown prince of that show, and I say that uh, adoringly, right? I say that as a positive thing. How do you keep that element on the show for longer periods of time? Health concerns aside, at 87 years old, that's just not something that Lee Corso is going to be building back up to. So I do like the addition of Pat McAfee. What I've noticed is the reactions to this all seem to be very mean on uh, social media, but maybe that's what social media is for. It's either people bemoaning that Pat McAfee is now a part of College Game Day or saying something very mean about uh, getting to the end of the Lee Corso era. 
I just think this is something to be celebrated, right? Like, if you're a college football fan, whether you love Pat McAfee or not, I think it is very important to acknowledge that for the first time, here is a guy who is clearly at the very top of the sports media field. ESPN got their hands on him, and they are not putting him on the NFL. They are putting him on college football. That is a very good thing if you are a fan of that sport. It has been a big week at FS1 where, man, shows have been shuffled, new hosts on old shows, brand new shows. Jesse Karangu, who we talked about last time he was on this, you know, what I like about Jesse is he knows everything going on in the world of sports television. Uh, Jesse, I guess... I appreciate that. (laughs) This shouldn't be a surprise in terms of timing, like a a sports network shuffling its lineup as a new football season is getting ready to launch makes a lot of sense. I guess before we get into the questions, just the big general one is, what have you thought so far about all these changes we've seen? Um, You know, I think ESPN has kind of like asserted its dominance uh, through these kinds of switches. I mean, we obviously saw and we discussed last time how Stephen A. Smith now has uh, basically his own show. Uh, Mike Greenberg's show kind of changed format before it was a three-man show. They were trying to kind of looking for the uh, Morning Joe format. And now it's more of a, he runs the show and he just has a ton of analysts from different sports come right. on. And so ESPN has been reinvigorating themselves even within their own ecosystem. And so it was, it was bound to happen on Fox's end as well. It's in the positive, in the right direction. They have their two stalwarts who they haven't really done much changes with, uh, Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp. They're always going to produce viral clips. They're always going to produce hits uh, that uh, people like. Um, same goes with uh, Colin Coward. I think now... Um, the personalities they have on are either really loud and rambunctious and, you know, kind of provide a different edge and different tone to FS1 that's even more hype than before. Or it's just personalities that are already ingrained into the other shows that are the two biggest hits on FS1 and, and trying to spread the wealth. So I want to get back to that because I do want to hit on what you said about taking pieces of more popular shows and and moving them around the board a little bit. But let's start with Craig Carton now on FS1 in the mornings is going head to head against Get Up. I don't love the format of Craig's show. I like Craig a lot. I I think Craig is a really entertaining guy. It could be such the opposite of Get Up. It could be perfect counter-programming. I wonder, is that about time of day? Is it just about recognizing that something more aggressive doesn't work on television in the morning the way it might on radio. No, I think something more aggressive could work in the morning, but the problem is it's not aggressive enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, you know, his debut episode, he told a funny story about how he hypothetically could have been the head coach of the New York Jets. Which is, <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it was a really big swing at things, but uh, it was, it was funny. It was good. It was a good anecdote to start the show off and set a tone. But uh, I don't get the co-host format of his show. It just seems like there's not much interaction. Or if there is interaction, it's forced interaction where, you know, they have somebody waiting in the wings who could actually be that dynamic force and that dynamic duo that would help Carton's show. But, you know, and Marcellus Wiley. I I do wonder how much of that uh, about, you know, man, it feels like Wiley would be a good fit with Carton. I I wonder how much of it is. Carton's not leaving New York and Wiley doesn't want to leave LA. I wonder if it's as simple as that for an explanation. It, it probably is. And, and timing, you know, even if yep. he doesn't want to leave LA, does he want to wake up at 2 a.m. in the morning <laughs> exactly. and be on air by, you know, 5 
3 a.m. in the morning? I don't think so. And so I just think they need somebody who is the kind of uh, in the vein of Boomer, in the vein of uh, Evan Roberts, who can combat and, and, and you know, compete with him. But at the same time, also kind of uh, let him loose and, yeah. and let him go. Let him be in his element. And right now they don't have that. So Colin Cowherd was the guest on the Jason Barrett podcast this week, and he talked about Joy Taylor leaving the herd. He said, you know, she was ready for something that would put her a little bit more in the spotlight. He understood it. He thinks it's a great move for her. I do kind of wonder that role she is stepping into on what is now simply called speak. Are we going to get more unfiltered joy or is her that's that is a uh a great way to say that name unfiltered joy are we gonna get more of <laughs> that, that should be her new twitter uh name. yeah absolutely <laughs> uh are we gonna get more of that from her or is this just kind of moving to the same role on a less popular show i, I think we're gonna get more of her unfiltered opinions um you know when i think of whose opinion do i want to hear from I might not necessarily think of Joy Taylor, but I, I do. I would say that when she does opine on stuff and when she weighs in on stuff, um, I do find it it's it's kind of insightful because obviously she has relationships with players um, through her brother, but also through her own uh, relationships that she's built with her career and just her personality and uh, her, her connections. And, and I think she just provides a unique perspective. And it's always good to have more inclusivity in sports television and in sports radio in general, because women right now are more so the hosts and the moderators. And if there's like, unfortunately, if there's like a domestic violence case happening or if there's like <laughs> right. a sexual assault case happening, that's when all these it, sports networks are like, let's go to the women now. It, and and, and you know what? It's it, it's sad, right? Because it's almost at times used as cover for still being in business with some of these leagues that, you know, over and over again, give these guys more and more chances. You said something, and I think this is where we'll wrap just because of time. You said something that I think is interesting there of if you're thinking about sports opinion, joy is not someone that pops into your head. I wonder how much of that is because by comparison, uh, of course she didn't have or offer as many opinions as Colin when they were together on the herd, but also the platform is different. Now I think joy very quickly could become someone that we think of maybe not as like a Stephen A. Smith, skip Bayless, like very loud shouting their opinion at you all the time. But I think she could very quickly become someone that we think of as like, Oh, sort of like a Bomani Jones, right? Like, Oh, I know that person will have a smart opinion about this. I agree. I agree. And I, I actually like that whole panel that they have of uh, LaShawn and um, Emmanuel. Uh, I think it's unique. I think it's unique. Yeah. And uh, I'm excited to see what happens there. I'm, I'm also really a big fan of uh, them taking away the host from First Things First. I think he, Nick Wright is another personality. You just got to let him flow, let him be in his element and have kind of two people who can counteract to whatever he's saying while also at the same time being mellow and being reasonable. So Danny O'Neill has been in a lot of coach press conferences, a lot of meeting rooms with coaches, a lot of FaceTime with guys that cannot get it through their head that they're not your boss. You don't really care what their rules are. Uh, clearly, that is something that Brian Kelly was having trouble with as he met with the LSU media after a loss on Tuesday. Danny is somebody that has been in that reporter's position. You maybe have never fired back that you will be on time when he starts winning games, but certainly you have been in that position of, why am I getting lectured by an adult that is not my boss? How did you view all that as it went down? I thought it was funny. Yeah. And and I thought that the reporter like was quick with their response. <laughs> like that, that was the thing I was like, 
like sometimes you're like that was like rocked back through the box like it right. felt it felt like a pitcher <laughs> a pitcher was like oh i'm gonna brush you back and the person was like okay this is coming right back at you and right <laughs> so i was impressed with the the, the speed of the return uh, Leah Van is the name of the reporter. She is a beat reporter covering LSU for The Advocate. What strikes me as interesting about this is she has probably been around Brian Kelly more than most reporters. So maybe they have a better relationship than we know, but also maybe she just made her job a little bit harder on that day. Yeah, there's two parts to this. There's a professional approach, and then there's kind of the ethics or the morality of it. Yeah professionally probably a, a bad choice <laughs> like, like because it's not going to make him more likely to be cooperative as a reporter and you're going to be covering the person having them be willing to sort of engage with your questions is 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 helpful but i also don't know the full extent of of her like what her interactions are like with him because that might have been the sort of thing that they say to each other when cameras aren't rolling. I saw in a, her subsequent tweet, she said, hey, I was I was late coming back from a doctor's appointment. Not my finest moment. I apologize to him. We're fine. So I, I, I hope that's the case. And then the second part is that you're going to catch hell from the fans. That's I, just, I, I don't yeah. know in this case, though. I mean, we are talking about Baton Rouge where <laughs> Brian Kelly, who is already not one of them, lost in an embarrassing fashion. Now, that's that's true. Like, maybe it does become... <laughs> But in general, there's basically two camps of fans mm -hmm. and they have e opposite expectations. There's the one camp that believes that you are beholden to the coach and that you need to respect them. And they're the ones that think like, I'd fire you if you were you said right. something like that. Like they're idiots. Then there's another <laughs> there's another brand of fans, though, that think that reporters should yell at the coaches after a game. And this is the hold them accountable crowd yep. is what I refer to them as. And they're just as dumb. Neither camp really understands what, what the job is. They both have distorted visions of it. From a, sort of the ethics or the objectivity, I have zero issue with what she said. He teased her and yeah. she teased him. This is why I wanted to have you on to talk about this, because you have experience with this in a way that certainly I don't. And obviously, a lot of people listening do not. I fall somewhere between those two types of fans that you are talking about. Like, I don't think you're beholden to the coach at all as the beat reporter. I get that there are professional relationships that you have to maintain in order to do your job. But don't let the coach sit up there and say things that everybody listening knows is bullshit, right? That's that's kind of where uh, I want someone to come down. Now, here's what here's what I put to you. This is not new behavior for Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly is notoriously an asshole. This is new behavior for the people at LSU, right? This is Brian Kelly's old behavior in a brand new place. So when Nick Saban went from, actually, he went from Michigan State to LSU, right. I was covering some college football at the time. And one of the college football reporters told me that, that basically at some point, somebody kind of at LSU or from the... SEC, like from down there, kind of came to Saban and, and basically told him, hey, the stuff you do at Michigan State, where you're kind of the tight lipped, really uptight a little bit. And Brian Kelly's that that kind of coach that doesn't fly down here like yeah. you, you they're, they're going to kill you. So I think that that's going. To, and I thought that as soon as Kelly was was hired, you will inevitably make it more difficult for yourself if you try to assert yourself 
against someone who has bully tendencies. And that's what I, Brian Kelly has bully tendencies. Absolutely. You, you point out something, you know, talking about Nick Saban, just having to learn the difference between the SEC media and the Midwest media. Having gone to Alabama, being from Alabama, people, when we are having sports media conversations, love to talk about uh, the fact that the media that covers Alabama seems very loyal to Saban, uh, would never give him a hard time. And my answer is always, let him lose four games. See what happens once he loses four games. That, that's going to change in a big way. And I, I do wonder, this is not just college football, right? Like, think about Joe Torre going from managing the Cardinals to managing uh, the Yankees. St. Louisians take their baseball very seriously as well, but the media scrutiny is not the same. I think these guys sometimes count on all of us being the same everywhere that they go, and we are. 100%. And I absolutely think the Midwest to the South is a, is a huge adjustment from what they think. Like Brian Kelly is used to people genuflecting in front of him. And <laughs> right. And I don't think that that's what's going to happen, going to happen down there. And definitely not if he keeps losing. Dude, like, it, I love it when I'm right. Like, like, there's, <laughs> like there's, there's like few moments like where, like, it feels good. Like as soon as I saw that Brian Kelly was, was, was going down there, I was like, that's not going to fit. And like yeah. one game in, he's already like laid out the punt returner, right? Like where he talked about, well, you won the job and you figure he's ready for it. And it's not like just completely like basically <laughs> the, the kids, the kid, the kid wanted to do well and he couldn't. And we thought he was OK. And it was it was our fault because we thought he was more capable than he is. And now and now he's getting told by a reporter. <laughs> Maybe I'll be on time if you win. <laughs> I love it. Big thank you to Danny and obviously to Jesse before him. Those guys are always great to have on the show. And thank you so much to you for listening. Again, please rate, review, and subscribe to Media Noise wherever it is you are listening to us. It is the only way more people are going to discover this show. I'll talk to you next week. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. And check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.